0: Welcome into the third edition of the Home Run Throwback Podcast. I am Jimmy Morris of Broadway Sports. Uh, we have still a special going on at Broadway Sports Media. If you sign up now, uh, it's 30% off the regular membership price. So go check that out, BroadwaysportsMedia.com. Tonight, I am very happy to be joined by Evan Silva of Establish the Run. Evan, how are you tonight?
1: Jimmy Morris, I'm doing great. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I think we, we did a podcast before, but it's been, it's been a long time. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk. Uh, Back in the Jake Locker days, bro. Yeah, yeah those, were, yeah. those were tough times around these tough parts. Tough um, For sure. All right, so just starting off, I know that you are a big fan of Arthur Smith and of what he did with the Titans offense last year. Kind of talk about sure. what you saw and what made you such a big fan of his.
1: Well, uh, Derrick Henry has experienced at this point, I think, what four different offensive coordinators, and uh, this was the first offensive coordinator to finally truly commit to Derrick Henry as a centerpiece of their offense and realize how special his talent really was. Arthur Smith did that. He emphasized play action passing, um, and you know, there analytically, you know, you theoretically get points for throwing the ball more. But really, what you should get points for is throwing the ball efficiently, and and you know the the Titans were excellent at doing that. Um, one of the, the top in terms of frequent in terms of uh, play action and frequency, they were top three in the league. And I thought that in terms of uh, Arthur Smith's ability to just scheme guys open, which you don't really there are like five or six coordinators each year that just show an ability to scheme guys open every year. One of them is Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, Jay Gruden, I would even say, has been one of those guys uh, you know, in, in certain years, but Arthur Smith was absolutely one of those guys, and not only scheming guys open, but scheming the ball to guys who can dominate after the catch. And that was AJ Brown, that was Johnny Smith, that was even Derrick Henry at times. And so, I love the play calling from Arthur. Smith. He was a guy that was, I would say, popularly doubted entering two thousand nineteen. I had some people telling me, "Hey, watch out for Arthur Smith. He is really, really freaking smart. He's learned under a lot of different offensive minds, and um, so I, I you know I stayed like sort of neutral on him, but man, he was really, really impressive and I think that he might be a guy that I know Titans fans don't want to hear this, but could be a head coaching candidate in, in 2021.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing you know he's been here through. Yep. at least three head coaches, maybe four. I, I can't remember exactly right now, but um, that, that's one of the things that people talked about—just him being a student of the game. And I know, like inside, you know, NFL circles, he was obviously a guy that got a lot of praise for the work that he had done heading into this year. One of the things I noticed, you know, the day that Ryan Tannehill got the deal. Um, it was a very popular thing from the national media to bash mm-hmm. that contract. Yep. Um, yep. I, I think a lot of people don't watch Titans games, and so the only the only you know experience they had with Titans games were the playoffs. And obviously, Derrick Henry you know carried that offense through the first couple of rounds. And Derrick Henry is the centerpiece of this offense, like you said. But when I reached out to you, you said that you love Ryan Tannehill and Arthur Smith's offense. Why is that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you know. Look, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Russell Wilson. But he is a player that in the, in in the right kind of context, you know, uh can be a, a highly efficient quarterback and a distributor of the football. And I think that the Titans and I mean, we talked about this on on Establish the Run all last year and we were way ahead of people on, you know, Derrick Henry having a, a monster, you know, second half and Ryan Tannehill was you know, from a fantasy football standpoint, he was way better than anybody expected. From a real-life standpoint, he led the NFL after taking over for Marcus Mariota. He led the NFL in uh, passer rating, yards per attempt, and yards per completion. And he, he just, you know, he's not necessarily, you know, like the, the playmaking quarterback, But he is a quarterback that can function at a very efficient rate within the confines of a system that um, you know asks him to ask you know plays to the strengths of Ryan Tannehill. He also can run a little bit. You know he's he's an athlete. He played wide receiver uh, at Texas A&M, and within this sort of setup, I think that he can be a, a like you know a point guard, a distributor. And he doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. I understand that he's probably, you know, in terms of skill set or impact on games, he's probably uh, somewhere between quarterback 14 and quarterback 19, if you were to just rank all the quarterbacks. But within the confines of, within the context of this particular offense and the way that they play, he can be a very, very efficient, um, uh, you know, distributor of the football. And uh, I, I think that, you know, listen, you, you have to pay quarterbacks. You know, they, they get paid a lot of money. That's the way that it goes, the most important position in all of pro sports. And so, no, I was not one of the people that was ripping the, uh, the four-year extension for Ryan Tannehill. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's like a necessity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you look at the deal, even, you, you know, as it came out and you saw the, the numbers there, Um, And then once all these other quarterback deals get done, I mean, he's going to be in the next couple of years somewhere in that range you talked about as far as highest-paid quarterbacks. He's going to be somewhere in that 10 to 14, you know, ranking. Exactly. Uh, So, so, I mean, I I think it made a lot of sense for the team to do that. Um, So, obviously, fantasy football is your bread and butter. When you look at this Titans offense, what are you Mm -hmm. buying from a fantasy football perspective for 2020?
1: Well, I would start with um, just the sort of climate that we are experiencing in the the actual world right now. And so how how will that climate affect a team like the Titans? I think that the Titans are in a really good position to be at, at a competitive advantage because of their continuity. They're bringing back their head coach. They're bringing back their stud OC. They're bringing back their quarterback one who is going to regress. I mean, he's not going to lead the NFL in, you know, in, in all those st- statistics that we just talked about. But he can still be an efficient player within the context of the offense. They're bringing back the centerpiece of their offense in Derrick Henry. They're bringing back their wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, their tight end one. Um, they're bringing back four of five offensive line starters, and the guy that they lost was Jack Conklin, and that is a significant loss. But they use their first-round pick to replace him. I understand that Isaiah Wilson started on the COVID-19 list or whatever. I, you know, I'm getting tr- starting to try to get used to what that actually means. It doesn't necessarily mean that he has uh, coronavirus, uh, but e- either way, like they have, you know, th- this offensive line is largely returning intact and is adding a six-foot-seven, 350-pound right tackle to replace the guy that they lost. You know, when I look at this team from a win total standpoint. And when you look at uh, DraftKings uh, sports book, their win total is set at eight and a half. And I mean, this this is a team that has won nine games consistently over the past, what, half decade. And I think is in position, you know, for, like, I think is, is at a competitive advantage because of the continuity. Uh, that they're bringing back, especially offensively. Defensively, you know, we we can get into the the weeds a little bit. We don't know what's going on with Vic Beasley. I think he's going to be a big part of their, their pass rush, um, you know, all that. But offensively, and, and also from a schedule standpoint, if you go to sharp football, the Titans have the second easiest schedule in the NFL this year based on 2020 win totals, not based on 2019 win-loss results, which are – essentially worthless, but based on 2020 win, which are affected by an efficient market that people actually bet money on the Titans have the second easiest schedule this year. So um, I'm bullish on the Titans. I'm bullish on Derrick Henry having another monster year. I think that Tannehill, um, you know, is a a piece in the offense. You know, he's not the, the engineer of the offense. I think the real engineer of the offense is Arthur Smith.
0: Where do you have Tannehill ranked among quarterbacks for a fantasy well, perspective? Well, and, I mean,
1: we, I have him at, like, quarterback 19. Now, that is in due, due in large part to – I'm going to pull up their early early season schedule. So, when you play in a, in a season-long redraft fantasy league, um, you want to have your quarterback facing off with uh, early uh, favorable opponents. So, let's look at Titans 2020 schedule. This schedule sets up very much for Derrick Henry and not very much for Ryan Tannehill early in the season. Week 1 at the Broncos um, you know, I mean I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to go to Denver and, and light it up. You right. know, I think that if, if if any, you know, if they win that game it's probably going to be on Derrick Henry and the defense is back. Week 2, they come back home, they're facing the Jags. Hey, what does Derrick Henry do to the Jags? Fucking ruins them. Week 3, the Vikings Uh, They go to the Vikings, and the Vikings look like a tough uh, opponent on paper. And I think Tannehill Tannehill actually could have a good game here, but I think that this is going to be another Derrick Henry game because the Vikings let go of Linval Joseph, their nose tackle, tried to replace him with Michael Pierce from the Ravens, like a 350-pound, you know, just, you you know, a fire hydrant in the middle. Michael Pierce opted out of the season today. Uh, and then we go to uh, the, uh, well, at least they're at home against the Steelers. I don't know how much home field advantage is actually going to matter this year, but uh, they'll be at home against the Steelers. I don't think that Ryan Tannehill is going to go light that up. If they're going to have success against the Steelers, again, it's going to be Derrick Henry. And then uh, after that, it'll be at home against the Bills. And the Bills just lost Star uh their nose tackle. He opted out of the season. So, all of this sets up for a lot of Derrick Henry early in the year, and not as much of Ryan Tannehill. Again, you know, I, I think it's it's I think it's ridiculous how much people try to shit on Ryan Tannehill. But I just you know, in terms of fantasy, he's not the quarterback that I want
0: this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So speaking of that, A.J. Brown, uh, who was just you know awesome last year as far as an efficiency standpoint. Um, you know, doesn't get the targets that some of the other top receivers are going to get just because of the makeup of of this offense like you talked about. But what did you see from him in 2019 and how do you kind of project him going forward?
1: I really liked him coming out of college. Um, He reminded me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster. But then when we saw him play as a rookie, I mean, I liked him even more. And he started to remind me of Terrell Owens. He was number two in the NFL in yards per route run. Uh, He had the third highest uh, yards per route run of any rookie in the last decade. And if you go back and look at uh, this is a a pro football focus that if you go back and look at historically rookies that rank really high in yards per route run. I mean, they're just smashes AJ green. It's Julio Jones. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's the best receivers in the league. And um, so I think that bodes really well for him. Historically, he led the entire league in yards per target, didn't even play 70% of the snaps in any game until week 10. So, and he finished last year with 84 targets. I think if he gets to 110 in terms of targets, which actually it would probably rank him like 25th in the league or something like that, I think that even in that scenario, he can be a top 15 fantasy receiver. I think I have him at wide receiver 15 or wide receiver 16, somewhere in that range. I, I mean, I'm a huge believer in A.J. Brown's talent. Um, every time I watch it, like, I like him more the more that I watch him.
0: Yeah, and I know you're a guy that watches a lot of film and that kind of stuff. Um, Corey Davis is a guy, you know, was the fifth pick overall. Um, has been disappointing from that standpoint. Yeah. Uh, started the season on PUP. I don't really know what's going on there. But what have you yeah. seen from him so far? And, I mean, do you think that he has the talent to be – a, a good wide receiver? Is it just a scheme thing? Like, what do you think has been kind of the detriment to his production?
1: Well, I think that he was uh, relatively overdrafted, but um, I always liked him. I always thought that he was going to be a good player in the NFL. I thought that he would be a number one receiver in the NFL. So I, and, you know, we've, we've seen him have moments. I mean, he has owned the soul of Stefan Gilmore, you know, before our eyes, he has had, you know, he has made big plays. I, I honestly, I, I don't know, Jimmy. I, and I would I actually rather just throw this question back to you. I would, you know, be interested in, in an explanation from you on what exactly has been happening with Corey Davis, because this was a guy that I really believed in coming out of college and has shown us those flashes, yet has been, I, I would say, has become more disappointing year over year.
0: Yeah, it was weird because I I think that for whatever reason, Ryan Tannehill didn't trust him Um, because there are plenty of plays where you see him open and Tannehill just didn't look at him or, you know, whatever it may be. But like you said, I I think he has the talent to be productive. Um, Getting drafted fifth overall. I mean, obviously he hasn't lived up to that billing, but I I think in the right system, he could be a good player. Uh, And like you said, I mean, he has shown up against some of the best corners in the league um, in that t- in that playoff game, you know, a couple of years ago, he had two touchdowns, like you said, against Gilmore. So he he's done it in those matchups, but it's just been the consistency with him that has kind of been, it's been up and down. To, to say the, you know, that that's kind of best case scenario for him. So mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see, you know, what this year brings for him because you know he's playing. They didn't pick up his fifth year option, so this is basically right. his. You know, I mean, he's a contract year, and so I'll be interested to see, you know, what the rest of the league thinks about him, assuming that he hits the free agent market next year. Uh, and then, yeah, that, that's that's talent. Like,
1: you know, the Browns picked up David Njoku's Joku's uh, fifth year option, and the Titans didn't even pick up Corey Davis's fifth year option. Both of those guys have sort of been in the same in the same lane in terms of being, you know. Flash, flash players that are highly inconsistent and ultimately frustrating. And so, I, don't, I mean, the Titans are at this point, and I, I remember, Jimmy, you and I used to argue about, you know, for days about, uh, you know, under their, when, when Roost and Webster was their GM and all that, I think that we can probably definitely agree that we believe in the Titans' leadership for the most part, at least from a G, GM and front office standpoint. And I think we can largely trust them to, um, you know, have a, have a rock-solid evaluation of Corey Davis after seeing him for
0: three years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, moving on, Jonu Smith, a guy that, again, kind of up and down production. He's had some injury seasons, uh, you know, was, was behind Delaney Walker for a couple of years. Um, but I feel like he really came into his own last year. Mm-hmm. What do you think about him, you know, just in perspective with the rest of the tight ends in the league this year?
1: Well, I don't like him very much in fantasy, but that is not anything against him as a ball player because I've always liked him as a ball player. He's just, he's not going to get very many, many targets because of the, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the construct of the Titans offense. He's not, he's just, he's not going to get very many, tar- many targets and he's, you're going to, you know, he's going to have these games where he has, he'll have like four catches for 105 yards and a touchdown and then for three weeks, he'll just, he'll go silent. But at the same time, I think he's a really good football player. He's an elite athlete. He's always been an an elite athlete. And he fits uh, the mold of Arthur Smith, which is to lean almost like, again, almost like Kyle Shanahan, to lean on the ability of his pass catchers to be able to create after the catch. And Johnny Smith can absolutely do that. Obviously, A.J. Brown can do that. Um, It's just how many targets is he going to get and – um, I think it's going to be right around 75 and that's just, that's not enough to be a big time fantasy player, but he's going to, he's going to be a good real life player. Like for the sake of the Titans, from a win loss standpoint and from a, um, an efficiency standpoint, um, I, I he's going to be an asset to them.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I guess the same can kind of be said about Adam Humphreys, right? I mean, he's their third receiver in this yeah. offense was heard at the end of the year last year. Um, what did you see how they used him when he was healthy, and how do you think that projects forward to 2020?
1: Honestly, I, I never liked that, that signing. Um, I think he's sort of like a black hole player. Um, you know, I would rather see like A.J. Brown used in the slot, Corey Davis outside, and they find like another speedster uh, to play on the opposite end. Um, because A.J. Brown can really create after the catch. I, that was I, that was a signing that I did not, I, I never liked, uh, by by John Robinson. Who, you know, I largely do like his moves. Um, the, the Jeffrey Simmons pick, I, I actually didn't like either, but now I freaking love it. Uh, I feel really, really good about that. Um, but yeah, that signing of uh, Adam Humphreys, I ne- never liked it, and I don't think he really added very much to the offense in year one. And I don't know what he can really add to the offense in year two because he's not one of these dynamic athletes like A.J. Brown or John Smith that you want to funnel targets to. He's um, you know, he's a pedestrian sort of uh, possession receiver.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, it's going to be hard for this offense, regardless of who the number three wide receiver is, it's going to be hard for just, like you said, the targets with John who – um, even right. you know, filtering down to Corey Davis. I mean, there's just not enough to go around there to sustain. I mean, if you're drafting a fantasy team right now, you, I mean, you're drafting, obviously, Derrick Henry first, you know, among Titans players, mm-hmm. AJ Brown second. I guess mm-hmm. John Otanahill somewhere in, in the third mix. Mm-hmm. Is, is there anybody else from this team that you think can make an impact from a fantasy perspective?
1: Uh, I would say no. Let me look at their actually their, their full roster. I would say no. Um, they're just you know they're they they have a, a very defined um, you know sort of identity. Uh, I mean we could talk about like Darrington Evans. Yeah. Um, we could talk about uh, yeah these you know uh, Khalif Raymond. I mean. You know, it's the the only other guy really to talk about would be Jarrington Evans.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that's the the next guy because Mm -hmm. I think he's got a skill set that is going Mm -hmm. to be really valuable for this team. What did you see from him in college, and and how do you project him in the NFL?
1: Yeah, he was like one of my big-time sleepers uh, uh, before the draft. Um, And then he went, in terms of his draft capital, that, that the team spent on him. He went earlier. I like, I thought he'd go going like the fifth round, you know, a rookie at app state rookie running back at app state, you know, usually does not go before like, you know, the f- the fourth or fifth round. He goes in the third round and I'm like, wow, you know, that's really interesting from a draft capital standpoint, but how does he really fit into this offense? Obviously, you know, the, the, the natural connection is, oh, he's just going to play the Dion Lewis role. He's, you know, what 200 pounds soaking wet, and what happens, you know, he's not a true backup for Derrick Henry. I mean, what happens if Derrick Henry goes down? You know, that, 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 would, that would be the question I would throw back to you, Jimmy. Like, who do they have here that could really pick up the slack? Or, or they might just change the offense entirely. Um, Darrington Evans, though, again, you know, going back to him, I mean, he is, he can catch passes, he can make guys miss. He's, he's a dynamic player. It's just how does he fit into the you know the, 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 the context of this offense and what would happen if Derrick Henry got hurt?
0: Yeah, I mean I, I think like you said they're gonna have to make a complete shift if Derrick Henry goes down because there's not there's not another running back on this roster currently that can do anything close to what Derrick Henry can do just from a workload standpoint. Um, right. so you would have to have a, a complete shift. Uh, do you have confidence in Arthur Smith? If, let's say something like that happens, because we we see all the time, you know, the the assumption of rational coaching, right? And we can't mm-hmm. always make that. But with Arthur Arthur Smith, it seems like he would be a guy that could change on the fly if something like that happened. And then I think you see Darrington Evans in. A different role than, than Derrick Henry, obviously, and even like Deion Lewis, because the thing with Deion Lewis last year was they wanted him on the field on third down, blitz pickups. You know, I mean, that, that was kind of the thing that he was really good at. He didn't really bring much else to the table here. Um, so I, I'm curious if, you know, we're talking, let's say week five, whatever, Derrick Henry goes down. What kind of confidence do you have in Arthur Smith to be able to make that adjustment in the Titans offense going forward do you think that there's enough there that they can still be an efficient offense without Derek Henry on the field?
1: I would say that I have confidence in Arthur Smith to make smart decisions because I think he's a really smart guy and he showed us that he was smart in his first year as the OC. Um, I don't know what he would do, though. Uh, it, w- it would be really freaking interesting. And, you know, that's how you become an NFL head coach is – you know, doing something um, really off the beaten path. You know, when you when you encounter a, a huge obstacle, when your offense is really built around a player that takes contact, you know, on every single play, and is the and you know is going to get the ball in 400 plays. You know, so it's a really interesting question. I don't know what the answer to it is. Let me ask you this though, Jimmy: um, Could we see Derrick Henry every down back this year? Because at the, as much as we do like Durant and Evans' talent, what are we getting? Eight padded practices. This dude is a, a third-round pick out of App State. You know, he, he's, he's – it's unlikely that he's ready for the NFL, you know, ultimately. So – Could we see Derrick Henry as a true every-down back? You know, Jimmy, I'm going to tell you, man, like my favorite play in the entire NFL is a screen pass to Derrick Henry. There is nothing that gets me more excited and and gets defensive backs more terrified than a screen pass to Derrick Henry. And I want to see 35 catches from Derrick Henry this year, please, Um, because I think that 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 that's a way to create a massive mismatch.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, he gets Derek Henry gets knocked for his lack of ability in the in the passing game to be able to catch the ball in the backfield, and I think that you have to be very deliberate in what you scheme up for him as far as a, a pass catching perspective because he's not a guy that's going to go out there and run really good routes. I mean, we know he's not that guy, but I think that, like you said, the screen passes and stuff. We've seen so many of those where you know he gets a screen pass and, and he goes 65 yards because he has that ability. So I'm really interested to see if they try to incorporate more of that this year. The Titans have historically been a terrible screen team. I mean, they haven't had a, a guy that could catch a screen pass in maybe ever. I mean, I, I can't sit here and think of it. Cause even if you go back to Chris Johnson, like he was obviously really good for a few years there, but he was never really that much of a threat receiving and so I'm really interested to see if they do try to translate that this year because – and that's the other thing. And then kind of, you know, shifting to a maybe a more overall fantasy perspective. Is it – do you think it's harder to rank guys this year just because we're not getting all that offseason work? Like you said, especially with a guy like Derrington Evans, third-round pick. I mean, mm-hmm. even Isaiah Wilson, obviously, you know, the wrench now with the – like you said, the, the COVID-19 list and all that stuff. But, you know, just from a rankings perspective, are you maybe leaning more heavily on guys that are established in their system and that you've seen what they can do? Because it's going to be tougher, I think, for guys that aren't getting work on the field that are new Mm -hmm. in systems this year.
1: It's a great question, and there is no uh, broad sweeping answer. I would say that everything is case by case. And a guy like Jalen Rieger out of TCU in Philadelphia, like he just keeps catching breaks. You know, it's like um, Deshaun Jackson gets in ho- in hot water off the field. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is not ready to, uh, you know, he's not ready to go at the start of camp. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, uh, who they traded for, opts out for the season. And I don't care that Jalen is a rookie. It looks like he's going to play a ton and he's going to get a ton of targets in a pretty good offense. And so... Therefore, I'm going to have him. Uh, I'm, I, I want to be above consensus on him. Uh, a guy like Brandon Ayuk uh, out of uh, Arizona State, who the the 49ers traded up for, he keeps catching breaks. Debo Samuel uh, breaks his foot, you know, and um, Brandon Ayuk looks like he's going to be the number one receiver for the 49ers in all likelihood to begin the season. So just because he's a rookie, I'm not going to you know downgrade him. At the same time. A lot of these backfields where um, rookies are entering and competing against like pretty good veterans. Like let's say Jonathan Taylor jumps into the Colts backfield, but Marlon Mack was you know top ten in the NFL in rushing yards per game last year, and he's I mean he's good. He's a good back. And um, you know, uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire jumps into the backfield with Damian Williams, who is a, a good back. Um, You know, uh, uh, DeAndre Swift jumps into the backfield with uh, Kerryon Johnson and Kerryon Johnson is a solid back. And so I I think I'm I'm a little lower on consensus than, uh, you know, than I usually would be with regard to those rookies and higher on higher than consensus on those veterans who I think at this point are undervalued and are probably going to end up playing more than people anticipate early in the season. Because people just expect, you know, the running backs that get drafted early to play. But this year is way, way different. I mean, there's zero exhibition games. There's eight padded practices. You know, there might be two weeks of technical practice. Um, It's it's a crazy year, man.
0: Yeah. And so with that being said, give me a couple of guys that you're pretty high on based on, you know, ADP right now I mean obviously it's July 28th when we're recording this so a lot of stuff's going to change over, over the next month but who are a couple of guys just you know in, in the league in general that stand out to you that are they're being under drafted right now
1: uh, I would definitely say Rieger and IU uh, that we just mentioned I'm looking at my um, you know I, I get Julio Jones in every single draft because in every single draft people let him fall to like the the, the middle of the second round, and I think he's going to be an absolute target monster. Um, Omar Cooper, I think I think that the Cowboys passing offense is going to be top five again. He's the number one receiver in that offense. Um, Adam Thielen, people are down on this year. I have him as the overall wide receiver nine. You'll see some drafts where he goes as the wide receiver twenty. And um, so I'm, I'm, you know, way above consensus on him. And then last thing
0: on the Titans, uh, you talked mm-hmm. about, you know, Dean Pease being gone and the the shift they're going to have there. It sounds like Mike Vrabel is probably going to be the def- defensive play caller. Um, Shane Bowen's a guy that they have, that they like, and I think he's going to be in the mix there as well. But what kind of confidence do you have in the Titans' defense this year Uh, You know, again, just based on kind of all the changes that are going on there.
1: That's a really good question, and I would say that that is easily the biggest question that I have about the uh, 2020 Titans. Um, They have done a really good job under Vrabel and really over the past three, four years of limiting just how many points their opponents score. And they really haven't been a dynamic defense in terms of, you know, Leading the league in sacks or anything like that, or you know, takeaways or anything like that, they've just been really solid and fundamentally sound. And you know, they do have a couple of playmakers, and like you know, Kevin Byard would be one. Um, although he didn't have his usual takeaway year this past season. Um, that I, I like. I don't think that the, the the thing is that I don't think their variance is uh, very like high. Like I don't think that they could all of a sudden become like, you know, a bottom seven unit in the NFL. I think that, you know, they, they have like a high floor and I think they're going to be at least average. Um, but can they get to being a truly, you know, dynamic, dominant defense? I'm not sure that they're going to be able to do that this year. So I, I just expect them to be solid, to be fundamentally sound and, um, you know, to not make a ton of mistakes. And, uh, you know, you, you, if, if you really want them to become a top 10 or even top five defense, you need career years out of guys like, you know, Adoree Jackson or, um, you know, buyer to get back, you know, to having like, you know, uh, t- uh 10 takeaways and, and that sort of thing. You, you need variants to be on your side, but also I think that they do have a, a high floor because I think that they're still going to be well coached and, um, you know, they're, they're not going to have like a ton of breakdowns.
0: And one of them, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the more polarizing moves that was made this offseason for this team was trading Jarrell Casey for a seventh round pick. Um, the presumption at the time was that they were doing that to free money for Jadavion Clowney. Like I said, we're recording this July 28th, Clowney's still a free agent. Don't know what's going to happen there. The biggest, I would say, issue with this team last year was the pass rush. Do you think yep. they have enough to be any better than they were last year from a pass rush perspective?
1: This, this is – you know, these are the key key questions for the 2020 Titans, you know, and, and they're really hard to answer. I don't know what's going on, on with Vic, Vic Beasley. We, I think we know that Harold Landry has the talent to be a difference maker, but I think he's been, you know, a little up and down. Um it's, it's a tough question to answer, and I mean, the the answer to that question is going to go a long way toward determining whether the Titans can reach that next level. I think we know that they're going to be pretty good. You know, I think that we know that they're going to be, I would say, you know, a four of, of eight wins, um, and then, you know, they, they've got a chance to win like nine to 11, maybe even 12, if things go really well for them, but... That's going to be one of the key questions. and I don't think we can answer that right now, um, especially because you know, there, there, it seems like there continue to be there, the pile up of questions uh, are, you know, it becomes bigger every single day.
0: How do you project the AFC South breaking down? Because, you know, there's been a lot of movement in the division this year or this offseason with, obviously, Phillip Rivers coming to the Colts, um, mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins being gone from the Texans. Mm-hmm. What, how do you see the division playing out?
1: Well, I think that the Jaguars are legitimately taking, tanking. Um, their win total is four and a half games, and no one is betting really the over on that or the under because it's too low. Uh, But I think that they're going to be, like, real bad. Um, The amount of defensive talent the Jaguars have uh, essentially given away over the last two off-seasons is just insane. Um, I I think that 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 should be a walkover opponent for the Titans. Uh, The Texans are always frisky because of Deshaun Watson. But they're really poorly coached. Their defense is absolute trash. I mean... You know, they, their defense is just it, it's truly embarrassing. It's so freaking bad. Um, our, our, our offensive line analyst, Brandon Thorne, does have optimism about their offensive line. They're bringing back all five starters. They're really, really young up front. They could maybe make a move uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, having a good offensive line. But um, And then how, what's the effect going to be of losing DeAndre Hopkins for Deshaun Watson? Because, you know, Deshaun Watson has had that back shoulder – contested catch receiver for the last like eight years. If you include Mike Williams at Clemson, Mike Williams was his dude at Clemson. And now uh, DeAndre Hopkins has been that dude uh, in Houston. Now he doesn't have, he has a bunch of speedsters, you you know, Brandon cooks and uh, Will Fuller and, you know, Kenny Stills. I mean, he's got a bunch of uh, speedsters out there, you know, he's not, but he's not going to have that safety net anymore. He has very little at tight end. So and their their win total was seven and a half and I don't know betting on you know betting against the Texans to win you know eight games doesn't seem safe but it, it does go to show you that you know they they definitely could take a step back they won a bunch of uh, one score games last year their point differential was uh, in the negative they had a minus seven point differential last year and they still won 10, 10 games and won a playoff game they were a little fluky last year and they could definitely experience some regression i think the colts are going to be good i think this is a division that is going to be decided between the the titans and the colts and i think that both of those teams are legit going to be good but the titans have the major advantage in terms of their continuity because the colts are changing quarterbacks and um you know what we don't really know what Phillip Rivers is at this point. I think he looked washed at at times last year with the Chargers.
0: Yeah, and that was going to be my next question on that, is Phillip Rivers. Um, I mean, he's obviously in a better situation from an offensive line standpoint with the Colts than he was last year with the Chargers. But does he make them that much better than they were last year with Jacoby Brissett? Um.
1: I would say yes. I think he's going to make a lot better decisions. He's going to get the ball out quickly. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I think it's it's legitimate to ask, you know, to ask the question whether Philip Rivers has very much left in the tank. But I do think he's going to be better than Jacoby Brissett, who I think is a good backup, but that's it. Um, and Philip Rivers hasn't played with an offensive line as good as the Colts in a decade, maybe.
0: Yeah, and so the last thing before we let you get out of here, um, is is there any team right now, just from a win total betting perspective, that you think is undervalued right now in the market?
1: Definitely the Titans, as as we've discussed, at 8.5, and And I would say the Bills at 8.5, and And they keep catching breaks because inside the division, the Jets trade away Jamal Adams. He's their best player on either side of the ball, Um, and then I think the Dolphins are going to be awful again. And then the Patriots lost like you know half their defense uh, today, so and and have a new quarterback and, and all that. And so I think that yeah, those are my two favorite over bets this year um, at eight and a half. The Titans and the Bills. Any under bets that you like? Yeah, the Broncos, who are at seven and a half uh, at DraftKings Sportsbook and. They just have major transition. They're, they're pretty exciting. If you look at their team on paper, they look pretty exciting. Uh, I like, you know, I love their draft. I love Cortland Sutton, but they changed their OC. They changed their quarterback's coach. Uh, their quarterback has made five NFL starts. Uh, their number two and three receivers are different. Their tight end is in his second year. Uh, they're changing at least two spots on their offensive line, um, and I think this is just not a good year to to bet the over on the Broncos. Do you like Drew Locke? I don't know. I don't know, and I and I know that that's a cop out answer, but um, you know I I go back and forth on him. Um, some people that I that I you know I, whose opinion I really trust, like uh, Greg Rosenthal and uh, Bill Barnwell. And, and you know th- these guys are actually fairly high on Drew Lock, but it's based off a very very small sample. And I you know I've learned over the years to be very very careful about players that excel in small samples, because I can't even tell you how many times I got their projection wrong after you know I liked you know what they did in the you know in the confines of like four to five games.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He he's just a guy that I didn't I didn't like coming out, and it's funny because you know two years ago the draft there was there were rumors you know that you know things go right before the draft but the titans were thinking about taking him with that pick um and and, you know obviously at that point i still had faith that that marcus mariotto was was going to be good um but i just that that, he's not a guy that i was i mean he he put up good numbers in college but it seemed like against the better competition he wasn't as good so i'm really interested (laughs) to see what he can do In a full season, and like you said, I mean, I think there's some talent in that offense, but I don't know. I I just – I'm not sold on him.
1: Yeah, I I think I I tend to side toward you, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, well, Evan, man, I I appreciate you so much taking the time to uh, talk a little Titans and fantasy football with us tonight. Um, Establishtherun.com is where you can find Evan. Uh, I'm assuming you're doing – updating rankings, what, weekly Uh at this point? Oh, every day, man. Every yeah. Day. So a lot of good stuff there. You can follow Evan on tw- on Twitter, at Evan Silva. Like I said, man, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us a little bit tonight. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that was Evan Silva of Establish the Run. And, again, you can follow him, at Evan Silva, on Twitter. Uh, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Home Run Throwback Podcast. Again, Broadway Sports Media is the new site. Check it out. A lot of cool stuff going on there. Uh, all of the best Titans writers that you're going to find in one spot so check that out and uh just the podcast please like and subscribe and rate review all those things uh wherever you get your podcast so for evan silva this is jimmy morris saying thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you again later
1: brought to you by broadway sports media